0: Blog Talk Radio Driving
1: on night, my hand's wet
0: on the wheel
1: It's Talking in Circles There's
0: a the voice in my head that drives my heel. With
1: your hosts, Clayton Caldwell My
0: baby calling I need you here
1: And John Harlow
0: And it's a half-past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everyone. welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caudill with John Harlow. We're talking about the Bank of America, Robo 400, Ryan Blaney's second career win, and it came with some controversy there at the end of that race. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Chase Briscoe's first career NASCAR Xfinity Series victory. He won the Xfinity Series Robo race at Charlotte Motor Speedway in kind of surprise fashion. You didn't really see him in... Uh, A lot of people's list to win that race, so we'll talk about him. And, of course, Silly Season Ryan Priest and Daniel Hemrick have rides for 2019, where they're going, how they're going to do, and more Silly Season news, all coming up later here on Talking in Circles. 917-889-8280, the the number to join this show tonight here on Talking in Circles. But first, John, let's talk about the Bank of America Robo 400. Ryan Blaney was your winner, uh, was running third at the end of that race when Jimmy Johnson – was doing everything he possibly could to win that race, drove into the final two corners there, spun around. When he spun, he made contact with leader Martin Truex Jr. Both cars were stopped on a track. Ryan Blaney went on by and won in a dramatic fashion to advance to the, point, to the second round of the playoffs. Johnson, meanwhile, finished in the eighth spot. He had to come to a stop after blowing the chicane there, and he ended up tying both Kyle Larson and Eric Amarola for the finals playoff spot uh, in the playoffs. He had the least highest finish of all those drivers in round one. So Jimmy Johnson on the outside looking in. Kind of a crazy last two corners there, John, to make America roll 400. What were your thoughts?
1: Um, I lay that on the hands of Chad Knauss. I lay it on the hands of Earl Barbin. Jimmy Johnson, you finish in second. Guess what? You're in the second round. But no, they go for the win. They lose it because he wound up getting into the AstroTurf that they put down to keep it from being grass and make it look pretty. And guess what? Jimmy Johnson goes spinning, takes out Martin Truex Jr. Blaney wins. Eric Almarola, and Kyle Larson, who wound up wrecking himself on the last lap, And riding around on the wall to keep, so he could keep moving. And Jimmy Johnson, he's racing, but he ain't racing for a championship now. That's just, I mean, I I really think it's not smart thinking on everybody's part. Because if you, your your job's to run for a championship. And yeah, winning the first robo race is pretty cool. Blah, blah, blah. Ain't going to get you a title. And they have a chance to the title if Jimmy Johnson finishes second. But Jimmy Johnson trying to finish first, when he didn't need to, wound up taking himself out.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because um, I have a different, a real different um, opinion on this. And I understand where people are coming from by saying, hey, you know, Jimmy needs to advance there. And you're right. Probably should have been on the radio saying, hey, finish second, we advance to this, to this second round of the playoffs. But with the way well, – what, with what we've seen from that 48 team, Jimmy Johnson's led 29 laps this season. Do we really think he was going to win a championship? This is a guy who has won a race every single season he's been in the Cup Series since 2002, and he's going out there trying to win. I mean, I, I don't blame him for it. I really don't because I don't think he's, he had what it takes to get out of the second round anyway. And, uh, and not, nothing against um, – Jimmy Johnson's ability or a team's ability. I just think right now with with the Camaro, they're still steps behind where Ford and Chevrolet are. Jimmy has been nowhere near where he needs to be. Um, And yet Dover's one of his best racetracks, and anything can happen at Talladega. But to me, I don't think he had what it takes to win that championship. So why not go out and try and give your team who's had – it's just been a a disastrous season. It's been a a season that – you know. Everybody wants to forget. Why not go out and try and give your team one shining moment and say, you know what, we're going to try and win this Robo race because we have no other chance to win a race this year. Um, We're just that far off right now. So, you know, Chevrolet has two wins this season as a whole. Austin Dillon's win in the Daytona 500 and Chase Elliott's win at Watkins Glen. That's it. There's not another win on, on the schedule for Chevrolet. That's how far behind they've been. So I don't really blame Jimmy Johnson for going in there at doing that because, frankly, and this might be a poor mentality, you can yell at me all you want. Frankly, I don't think that team has what it takes to win a championship, and I think they understand that. So why not go for it and try and get lows in the victory lane one last time, try and get in the victory lane for this, and make it 17 consecutive seasons where he's won a race, which would break the all-time modern record. So um, I don't blame him there. I really don't.
1: Well, I look at it when it comes down to it. He still ha- I mean, He still would have a puncher's chance, and even though the Chevy has not been good, and Johnson and Chad Canales have not had the performance out of the 48 all season you expect from them, Dover's still coming up, and somehow, some way, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, you look. He's had crap seasons before, where I mean, well, for him, but he still finds ways to win at Dover. They're always good at Martinsville. And that's two rounds of the playoffs. If Jimmy Johnson finds a way to sneak through and pull off Dover this week and get to the next round and pull off Martinsville, and, of course, Talladega's a crapshoot, and you know Hendrick engines are strong, so he's got a shot at the restrictor plate race. I'm sorry. I think he's got a shot at getting to the Final Four with the way the rest of the playoffs line up for him. I think it was dumb. I mean... I really do. Your jaw, Your goal is to win a championship. Even if you think there's not a snowball's chance in hell, you remember back in Tony Stewart's championship when Darian Grubb was, was already been fired and they wound up winning a championship. And going into the Chicago press conference, Tony Stewart said, we have no business being here. We should have given our, slot, our spot to somebody who deserved it. And what do they do? They go out, win five races, and claim the championship. And Tony Stewart and Terry Grubb, that group in the 14 car that year, they weren't good. But when the playoffs came, something crazy happened, and they won five races in the championship. I'd never count that 48 car out as long as there's Dover, as long as there's Martinsville, as long as there's Talladega. I would think he still had a chance.
0: I understand what you're saying, and you're absolutely correct that it is a team's goal to win the championship. To start the year for sure. I mean, I, I think that's totally reasonable to say. But again, you know, when Tony did that, there was only 12 cars in the chase at that point. Now we take 16. If Jimmy, if we didn't take 16 drivers this year, Jimmy would have been out of the playoffs. And 16 to me is a, is a crazy amount to take. I think it's, it's, uh, it rewards mediocrity because I think that's what Jimmy Johnson's been this year is mediocre. This team's led 29 – Daniel Suarez, who's losing his ride at Joe Gibbs Racing at the end of the year, has led more laps this season than Jimmy Johnson has. You know, and I don't know what Tony Stewart's lap total – how many laps he led going into the playoffs uh, in that season in 2011 when he won a championship, but I guarantee you he led more than 29 laps. Uh, So to me, it just shows you how far off – and I'm not talking about Jimmy just being a little bit off to where they might be able to find it and win the championship. They're really – really far off. And I know Dover's gonna go out there and he's probably gonna give it a good run, a top five, maybe even top ten run. Um, uh, but I don't think he's gonna have a chance of winning this weekend. And maybe Martinsville he pulls something off Talladega, anything can happen for sure. But you know, I just don't see it. And and why not? Why not go out there and give your team an absolute chance at winning a race? That's the way I look at it. But um you know let's talk about Ryan Blaney here real quick. I mean this is his second career win, John. A a nice win. I mean, a guy who you don't think of as a great road racer Uh, to go out there and um, no doubt he got lucky at the end of that race. I think everybody could admit that, but sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good, and I'm sure this makes up for Bristol earlier in the year when he had probably the best race car and lap cars took him out. Um, A a nice win for Ryan Blaney, certainly, uh, on Sunday. Ryan Blaney had every chance to get
1: taken out in that thing, too. If you look at the uh, highlights of the big pileup when Keselowski couldn't turn left, And Kyle Busch and half the world wound up plowing into the walls. Because, I mean, uh, Ryan Blaney wound up sideswiping Paul Menard as he came around the turn. There was damage to that right front of the car from that wreck. And Blaney was in a couple others where he was getting bounced off the walls and stuff like that. It wasn't, he didn't come home with a clean car. It wasn't like he didn't have an issue-free day. And he was, like he said, he was happy just sitting there in third place, knowing he was going to make it to the next round. But um, it's good to have Ryan Blaney win, good for a different road course racer. I like Ryan Blaney. He's, like I, I've said for a couple of years now, and I, and you've agreed pretty much, he's one of the guys that's a face of the future in NASCAR. Ryan Blaney is a solid race car driver. And the reason you're a solid race car driver, I mean, he's proven he's a solid race car driver or Roger Penske would not have signed him.
0: No doubt about that. I, I totally agree. I think Blaney has proven himself to be a great race car driver, and these wins, there's going to be many, many more to come for him. Uh, you know, a heartbreaking moment there for 2X. Obviously, he was already locked in um, via points to the second round, so he nothing really affects his championship hopes there at the end of that race. But, you know, you still want to win. I mean, uh, obviously. With the way this team breaking up at the end of the year, you want to get as many wins as you can for these guys, and you know he ended up finishing in the 14th spot. So a little bit disappointing there. We'll give you the top five. Uh, Ryan Blaney oh well, He wanted that extra Jane five McMurray. playoff points too. Right, absolutely. In case he has trouble in the next round. Um, Jamie McMurray was second. Clint Boyer third. Alex Bowman, a surprising run for him in there. And fourth, Kurt Busch fifth. And it was Chase Elliott, A.J. Allmendinger, Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick. Andrew Logano, Jimmy Johnson finished eighth, John. He was second, like you said. He, he lost six points um, from, from, by that spin from finishing second to eighth. He had to come to a stop right before the start-finish line because he sort of blew the chicane. He didn't really run it the whole entire way, so he came to a stop. It cost him six spots. He ended up being in a three-way tie for 12th, the final p- playoff spot there uh, to advance to the second round. I wound up going to Eric Marola and Kyle Larson with Jimmy Johnson on the, on the way out. So uh, Johnson, Austin Dillon also, he had a tough day at, at the Robo at Charlotte. Uh, Austin Dillon ended up in a 39th position at, in a crash that ultimately ended his day on lap 64. Eric Jones and Denny Hamlin needed, basically needed to win to get in. Jones ended up in the 30th position. Uh, he got involved in a, in a late race crash, and uh, Denny Hamlin finished 12th. Uh, took out Michael McDowell while doing it. Uh, just not a very good day for Hamlin. Not a very good year for Hamlin. I mean, Jones is sort of, some, of a some surprise to me because he had such momentum coming in. He ran really good. Um, but Las Vegas is sort of a crapshoot. And then you had this one, which was sort of a crapshoot, and ended up biting Jones in the back there, and in the, in the rear end there. But Hamlin, John, we've talked about him all year, how that 11 team, for whatever reason, has really struggled. You know, Joe Gibbs Racing's been pretty good. Kyle Bush has been good. Jones has been good. Suarez is still learning, but I think we expected a little bit more from Mike Wheeler and the 11 guys over there and Denny Hamlin, and they really struggled. Um, and when they needed to, to pull off a win in crutch time, they just didn't do it. He qualified 27th, which is not a very good race, not a very good year for Denny Hamlin this, uh, this season in 2018.
1: No, I think they're going to need to regroup. I mean, I think it's one of those things. Um, I forget where I read about it early in the week. It was a USA Today article where they were saying about happiness and sadness at Joe Gibbs racing because Kyle Busch is doing so well and Denny Hamlin is not. It's like you have two complete opposite ends of the spectrum. You have Kyle Busch who's setting the world on fire. Eric Jones, who's been uh, better than average, but not spectacular. Denny Hamlin has been a disappointment and Um, Daniel Suarez was still getting his feet under him, and he's probably going to lose his ride in the process. So it's one of those things. I don't know what the difference is. Kyle Busch, and it's one of those things. You see, when Kyle Busch gets in a car, it may be a fifth-place car, but Kyle Busch can make it third without thinking hard. And he can take a fifth-place car and make a winner out of it. He just has a different driving technique, a different driving style, and a different ability than a lot of other than Very few ever have that have put a helmet on and got buckled into a race car. Kyle Busch is a difference. I think all the Joe Gibbs cars are pretty much the same. I just think Kyle Busch is able to make magic happen whenever the car, even when the cars aren't that great. You've heard him many, many times say, we're junk today and come back and finish in the top five. And that's partly because of who Kyle Busch is behind the wheel. Overall, I'll tell you this much, when you think about, yeah, look, ahead. I was going to go to the overall thoughts on the road course, but go ahead with what you were saying about Joe Gibbs.
0: No, I was going to say, uh, you know, I think Adam Stevens and Kyle Busch, that relationship is is very solid, and one of the solid, most solid relationships in the garage area. We talk about great crew chief and driver combinations. Of course, you have uh, the top, the big three this year with Kyle Busch and Adam Stevens, Kevin Harvick, and Rodney Childers, Martin Truex Jr., and Cole Pern, Brad Keselowski is even in there with Paul Wolf. I think when you think about the and, – and then, of course, you got Jimmy and Chad because they're just so legendary. But when you think about the top five driver and crew chief combinations, you know, top, the, the top four in the points right now have that. Um, and I'm not saying – and this is my thing with Hamlin is this is his third or fourth crew chief now at Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, so eventually you have to stop looking at, well, it's the equipment, well, maybe it's the crew chief, maybe – and say – it's time for Denny Hamlin to step up a little bit, um, and I'm not saying Hamlin's not driving every race like he like he should and like he can, but maybe he needs to have a different approach there. Um, and again, I just was surprised. This is a guy who's normally very, very good. I think Hamlin's one of the top ten drivers in this sport. Um, normally very, very good. Just it just seemed like that 11 team just never found it. They were never uh, consistent. They just never hit their their groove. And right now it's going to be too late because they're not going to be able to run for a championship um, in 2018. You know, before we move on to the Xfinity Series race, John, what about this Roval? Because I think it was two different events. You know, um, the Xfinity Series race was very, very calm, very tame. Um, And I think that had a lot to do with the horsepower, lack of horsepower, and those race cars. But the Cup Series was tame for the first part, and then the Brad Keselowski wreck, which took out about five or six cars. And then the craziness at the end— uh, it sort of changed every, the the complexion of that race and everything that happened there. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Roval uh, and the Cup Series side of things this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway? I think the only
1: difference between the Roval and Charlotte Motor Speedway was instead of follow the leader going 190 mile an hour, it was follow the leader turning left and right. There weren't many opportunities to pass because the track was too, not wide enough. Um I don't think it was great racing. I mean, it was more of a fuel mileage thing because you, all you kept hearing was everybody trying to save fuel to make sure they could make it to the end and do their pit stops because they came in a couple laps early because of the way the caution fell. I didn't think it was a great race. Um, they're already touting it on, uh, through Adam Sturd reported on Sports Business Journal today, that um, the ratings were up 10% from last year. But how much of that? was a roval and how much of that was it was on big nbc and not nbcsn it's still going up against football i'm telling you flat out i watched the race tonight that's how you know i wasn't going to turn the patriots off to watch this and i don't think it was a good race i don't think there was anything spectacular about it and you found out especially that if you try to do anything on old tires look at that restart i mean Kozlowski plowed the wall. I mean, he didn't even – I mean, he barely got a chance to break. But, I mean, you saw him uh, breaking, going into the turn, and just kept going straight and took out a quarter of the field with him. I mean, because there were five cars in the outside wall. There was five cars on the inside wall. I'm sorry. If I want to – excuse me, if I want to watch a wreck fest, I'll go to a demolition derby. I want to see cars be able to pass each other, which means it's not the track because the tracks were great before – we had some really good racing on the Charlotte Motor Speedway for a lot of years. It's the engineering, it's the package, it's everything else. And I'm telling you flat out, no matter what they say about this rules package that they're going to announce this week, uh, going into 2019 with um, putting the uh, restrictor plate Spacer. on it and the sp- tapered spacers and all the stuff that they're going to try to do to slow the cars down, guess what? They did it in the uh, all star race, and they said there were so many passes, blah, blah, blah. They never made a pit stop. There was never a chance. There was no green flag pit stops. There was no chance for anybody to separate. It was short sprint runs. And once you got in front, Harvick got out in front. Nobody came close to him. I don't see a package coming next year. I see it being the same.
0: Yeah, it was certainly um, there was certainly I think that what kept the interest throughout that race was the fuel mileage. You know, there was a lot of uh, intrigue in the fuel mileage um, in the middle part of that race and towards the end before the Kaslowski crash um, and before the, the the wild finish at the end. Um, and I think that's what kept the intrigue in the Roval at Charlotte, which you could have had that at the oval track at Charlotte. Um, I didn't think, you know, and and I'm not gonna lie, I um was had a activities to do there on Sunday, so I tried to watch as best I could, but I wasn't sitting there watching every lap, lap for lap. Um, I thought it was okay. I mean, it wasn't, you know, on the edge of your seat for sure because of the fuel mileage, but I think that's what kept the interest. And no doubt about it, was the fuel mileage. And and a question mark because they never ran there. They don't know how hard they pushed there and all that kind of stuff. So I think the question of that made it a little bit more interesting throughout the race because if we didn't have the fuel mileage factor into that, um, I think it would have been sort of, you know, okay, well, what's going to happen next? Um, and waiting 15, 20 laps before the next thing happens um, and, until the accident happened and, and all that finish. I kept watching
1: it waiting for the pileups, and I already knew the pileups when they were coming. But you knew it was not – we talked about it going in. We knew it was going to be either amazing or a disaster. And people are already starting to say, well, it was amazing, blah, 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 because there was that last lap pass for the win. Yeah, the reason there was a last lap pass for the win because two cars were spinning. It wasn't a competitive race. I mean, you look, Ryan Blaney was so far out of the picture when Johnson and Truex spun that they had time to spin. Johnson had to stop before Truex, I mean, before Blaney got a chance to pass him. That's how far behind they were. Don't make it out that it was a close race. Don't make it out that they spun and he was able to duck down below. They spun. Johnson was already done with his spin and stopped, waiting because he didn't get, make it through the chicane, but you had to come to a complete stop to go again. It wasn't a good race.
0: NASCAR needs well, to start looking at other options. The finish was interesting, no doubt about that. I think. Um, and Johnson was close with Truex. Um, at the end of that race, so I think that made it interesting as well where, you know, so you don't need 50 cars at the, or 20 cars at the end piled up running next to each other to make it an interesting fit race or an interesting finish. Only needs two, and we had that with Jimmy, Jimmy and uh, Truex coming down to the line, um, and unfortunately, you know, Jimmy went in there and, and took out Truex, who probably should have deserved to win that race with Truex, um, but again, you know, I think that's what sort of really helped this race a lot, the last finish The finish of that race um, is certainly getting a lot of play on on social media, a lot of play on the internet, Um, and the finish, I think, helped make that race sort of memorable and legendary, Uh, and I'm not sure we're going to get that every single time. So we'll see. I mean, I I think it's certainly something that we need to look at a second time to to evaluate. I'm not going to give it up after one one weekend, one race weekend, Um, but I I wouldn't say it was – edge of your seat gripping just because of the fuel mileage. I think the fuel mileage is what kept it entertaining. Um, and who knows? We might not get that next time. You never know. So 917-889-8280 here talking circles. Clayton called a John Harlow. Xfinity Series race from the strong motor speedway. that was the drive for the Cure 200. Chase Briscoe took the checkered flag. Kind of surprised, John. He led 33 of the 55 laps there. Um, had a really strong race car. I think that the the favorite to win the race, or one of the favorites to win the race was Daniel Hemrick. He had some issues, spun, uh, and and tried to find his way back, found it into the top 10 there, spun late in that race. Um, But a a nice job by Chase Briscoe. I mean, listen, there was no doubt. He got out in front, and he was hard to pass, and it was very hard to pass. Austin Sindrick also um, led a little bit as well. Uh, But I, I, I was impressed with Briscoe. This is a guy who seems to win these important races. He won the Truck Series race. At Eldora this year, he won uh, Homestead last year in the Truck Series, and he wins the Robo this weekend in the Xfinity Series for Biagi Dembessi slash Stuart Haas Racing in the 98 Ford. Um, here's a kid who, no doubt, I think it's been a little bit of a disappointing year for him. Uh, it's been very difficult to drive that 60 car this year. If you, whatever reason, it just seems like that car has worse luck of any car out there, um, and... There's been a lot of accidents involving that race car, and I don't necessarily think it's the drivers. It just seems like a lot of the times they're in, they're just you know uh, at the mercy of other race cars. This weekend, that 60 car got turned by its own teammate. So, um, but so it's been a, kind of a, a, a different year for Chase Briscoe, but he certainly ends it or close to ends it on a high note here with the win at the Charlotte Roble in the Xfinity Series.
1: Yeah, I think it was a good run for Chase Briscoe, and the best part about it is you look at the group that put that car together. You look at the pit crew, I think they had every possible Stuart Haas team together, um, because nobody had the same fire suit. It was a it was a nice run by Chase Briscoe. I think Austin Sindrick had a really good car driving the twenty two for Roger Penske, and he spun out of the lead. Um, and that shows you how goofy this was. Austin Sindrick is a accomplished road course tracer. That's how he came up. And he wound up spinning out in the lead. And it wasn't because he wheel-hopped. He was just going around a turn and lost it. They said there was very little grip. There was a hard tire. So it really wasn't conducive to left and right turns. Um, and the other part with this race, and Steve O'Donnell talked about it on the morning drive Monday, you blinked and it was over. What was it, an hour and 26 minutes? Um 55 laps on the course. And they're talking about extending it next year. Um, but they said, tw- Steve O'Donnell tweeted that the race may be longer next year because it was one hour, 32 minutes, and 35 seconds. And Michigan in June was the shortest Xfinity race ever. And this one, there was cautions involved. So it just, to me, it, I'm not a fan of the Robles. I think it's great for um, Chase Briscoe to get a win. I thought it was a good thing. I really felt good for Justin Marks finishing second in what he said was his last NASCAR race. Uh, It would have been nice to see Justin Marks win. Um, But I just, the race didn't do anything for me on either one. I tried to watch both of them. And I was off, I mean, I was watching on the DVR tonight before we went on, so I could at least talk about it. But to me, it just, it wasn't a good race, either
0: one of them. Follow the leader. Let's do that. Yeah. And no doubt. I think Briscoe certainly, um, you know, he deserved to win that race. There's no doubt about it. He was, he was, I think the, the class of the field there and he was difficult to pass it. I think it was definitely difficult to pass. Maybe we need to look at, like you said, maybe a different tire there next year, maybe a little softer so they can have a little bit more grip. Um, we'll see, you know, there's certainly work to be done there, but again, I'm not going to give it up on after one season. Uh, Xfinity Series points, we'll go through them real quick because they got their elimination race this weekend coming up at Dover International Raceway. Um, Christopher Bell leads. Then it's Daniel Hemmer, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, Matt Tipps, Elliott Sadler, Justin Allgaier, Ross Chastain, the top eight right now. Uh, the bottom four will be eliminated, and right now that includes uh, Austin Cedric, Ryan Trex, Ryan Reed, and Brandon Jones uh, for the Xfinity Series. Keep an eye on that. I think Brandon Jones, uh, Ryan Reed, and Ryan Trex need to win Um, Sendrick might be able to point his way in If one of the back end guys Whether it's Chastain, Allgaier, or Sadler Has some issues Um, But I think those three, 2X Reed and Jones Need to pull off a victory In order to advance to the next round So that's something to keep an eye on um, In the Xfinity series Uh, Before we move on, John Final thoughts on the Xfinity series And what you saw on the the whole weekend uh, at At the Roval track At Charlotte Motor Speedway
1: My favorite part about the Roval part of the weekend is we're off to Dover. It just wasn't good racing. I mean, we could have done follow the leader on the uh, mile and a half. We could have had something we understood. I knew what was going to happen. Hell, you listen to the broadcasters. They could even get it right. It's like, okay, we're in turn one. We're in turn two. We're in turn three, four. Okay, we're in NASCAR turn two. It's like, wait a minute. Where the hell are we now? They couldn't even get that right when they were broadcasting because, I mean, how many courses, even when you do Sonoma or when you do Watkins Glen, you don't have 17 turns. And it just, to me, it wasn't good. And it wasn't well attended. There were a lot of people disguised as empty seats in there Saturday Saturday and Sunday at Charlotte. They were hoping this was going
0: to do something to spark attendance, and it sure didn't. And um, I think the intrigue was certainly something that, that helped the race as well. Uh 889 8280 Talking circles, Clayton Coldwell, John Hollow here with you. It's, uh, the silly season was, in, was hot and heavy this weekend. Two announcements for next season in 2019. Uh, the first one that came out was Ryan Priest. This was kind of a, I guess, the worst kept secret in the garage area, if you've paid attention to the show the last couple of weeks. It certainly looked like that. Ryan Priest was going to go to the 47. Last week, they officially announced that A.J. Almendinger wasn't going to return to that car, uh, and now it's Ryan Priest, who's running the Xfinity Series, who's racing, really put his stock up by winning a bunch of races there this year and last year um, and getting an opportunity in Jody Tad shechter and Brad Daugherty's number 47 Chevrolet next season. No doubt it's a mid-tier to back-tier ride, but they're going to have Hendrick Motorsports engines next year Switching from ECR, which should help them. Uh, and I think Priest is a pretty good r- little race car driver. Uh, he's done very, very well on a, on a modified circuit. Um, he's a very good short tracker. Uh, what, were your, what are your thoughts on Ryan Priest here? And what do you think his expectations are for 2019?
1: I'm glad Ryan Priest got a shot. Uh, he's the one who took the step back, basically, the plan that Matt, Matt D. going would probably try to fall, follow up. He took a step back instead of running full-time for a bottom-half team with Johnny Davis, who does as much as anybody can with as little as, he, as possible. Step stepped back and took a few rides with Joe Gibbs Racing and said, hey, if you put me in good equipment, I'm going to win. And he bet on himself, and he bet big, and he wound up doing well. Um, but one of the things he's looking at, he's, gonna, he's walking into a 20th-place team. A.J. Allmendinger isn't a bad driver. He's a better road course driver than he is an oval driver, but he's not bad. And JTG Doherty Racing is a 20th place car. Both him and Chris Buescher. I mean, you look, Chris Buescher won an Xfinity championship with Roush Fenway. Couldn't find a room at the inn at Roush Fenway. Came to JTG Doherty, and Chris Buescher has been an afterthought. Um Ryan Priest, I think it's a good chance for him to have a shot at the big time, but I don't know if he's going to. His shot at the big time is going to be anything beneficial. I think he'll be a 20th place car. I don't see the step up in anything because I mean, the difference between ECR engines and Hendrick engines right now doesn't mean that much because the Camaro's crap. So you could put, you could probably put a Roush Yates engine in there, and it'd still be crap because the Camaro doesn't drive well.
0: Yeah, and we'll see that changes for 2019 because Ford's going to go to the Mustang, um, and the new rule package might change that as well. You know, it might sort of level the playing field, and we still don't know what that's going to entail. Uh, there's still a lot to be ironed out there, but um, you know, for all intents and purposes, if it's going to be like what we saw at Charlotte or anything close to that, it might level the playing field as far as teams are concerned a little bit. So, um, you know, that might help Priest and the 47 car, which. No doubt, uh, when you look at, I think A.J.'s 23rd to 24th in the points, he's probably been there most of his time at JTG Dalry Racing, uh, aside from the year he won at Watkins Glen and made the playoffs. Um, so, you know, that team hasn't really improved all that much. Now, they, they're sec- there are two operation, which is what they weren't when A.J. got there. They, weren't- they were a solo corporation when A.J. got there, um, and so that's helped the team a little bit, and A.J., in his tenure over at the JTG, JTG Daughtery, uh thirteenth when he made the playoffs, and then twenty-second, nineteenth, twenty-seventh, and twenty-fourth this year. So they've been a, a middle-of-the-pack to the backmarker team here since AJ's gotten there, um, and it's just been consistency. They just haven't had it. I think Busher's done a pretty good job this year. Uh, again, it's the consistency. You know, you see Busher up there a couple of weeks where he's running pretty, pretty, really good, and then he sort of falls back and falls behind. Something interesting I found about Amendinger this weekend, um, he talked about it, I think, during qualifying. He had a really good lap. He ended up qualifying second. He said Trent Owens and the guys from the 37 team went over to work on his number 47 car for this weekend at the Roval. And uh, it made his car a lot perform a lot better. So you have to wonder if they're looking at making some more changes to that team other than just the driver and bringing in people and getting that team a little bit more depth uh so they can perform as a two operation better. Um I don't know who that crew chief would be. I don't know who uh the what what they would do, but if you know changing uh the people who work on that race car led to that much of a success with A.J. Almendinger this year, uh at, at least this weekend at the road who knows what I can do for, you know, Ryan Priest down the road. But I, listen, there's no doubt Priest is a very good race car driver. I mean, um he's he's certainly uh Taking his wounds, you know, put in this time in, in the Well and Modified Series. He's done a great job, won championships there, won a ton of races. Uh, it's great to see him get a shot. It really is. It's, it's a win for uh, all those short trackers who go out there every weekend and don't get noticed a lot because there's so many short track races and, and you know, they sort of get lost in the shuffle, um, but work just as hard as anybody else and are and sometimes are just as talented as anybody else but just never got that break. And uh, so that's a win for for Ryan Priest. You know, we see him and and give Tommy Baldwin some credit here too. You know, Tommy helped start the career of Ryan Blaney. um, And now he's helped start the career of Ryan Priest, where he brought him in, had him get his feet wet in the Xfinity Series, ran a couple even – and ran a couple cup races with him as well. That helped Ryan Priest sort of get his feet wet, get him noticed, get his name out there. And uh, now he's going to be running full-time in the Cup Series. So, you know, I think everybody deserves a lot of credit including Tommy Baldwin, who's a um, former owner, a modified guy from the Northeast, and certainly uh, is familiar with Priest. He definitely deserves a lot of credit with this as well.
1: Yeah, one of the things with Ryan Priest, he reminds me a lot of Dave Blaney, where Dave Blaney did well in the um, World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series, wound up coming down to North Carolina driving Xfinity or back in Bush for Bill Davis Racing, uh, getting a shot with bill davis in the cup series going to rcr for a year going back to bill davis racing driving a little bit for roger penske on the side driving sir tommy baldwin i think ryan priest reminds me a lot of dave blaney where he's probably a better driver than the equipment he's going to be in but right now ryan priest isn't the name that's going to pa- bring the sponsorship i mean It's come to the point where it used to be, and this is one of the places JTG Doherty has found a way to sell out their sponsorship, and they don't tie it to the driver. You've never heard a driver attached to money going to JTG Doherty. Tad Geshechter, Jody Geshechter, and Brad Doherty have done a great job at getting um, sponsorship, no matter who the driver was. I mean, you look, they've had Bush's Baked Beans, they've had Clorox, they've had all those sponsors since back when Bobby Labonte drove the car, back when Marcus Ambrose was in the car. Um, They're good at getting sponsorship with or without the driver. And good for Ryan Priest that he's able to get a full-time ride because of the way JTG Doherty is. There's a lot of teams anymore where if you don't bring money to the table, you're not getting in the car. And even when you do bring money to the table, you might get pushed out of the car, as Daniel Suarez. But it's it's one of those things. You need to be able to bring money to the table anymore to get a ride. It's not about how good of a driver you are. It's how much of a financial package do you bring. And that's one of the things that's hurting
0: the sport in the long run. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, and that's what I think is, is a nice win for this as well, as you talked about. You know, JTG has sort of their own. Set of sponsorships, Kroger's big into that 40-17. Uh, and so that really helps them uh, kind of do their own thing. You know, um, I think a lot of the smaller teams still have that. You know, Front Row Motorsports is another team, I think, that really don't have drivers tied to sponsorships there. I mean, yeah, sure, Michael McDowell, K-Love, okay, David Reagan brings Schroner's Children's Hospital with him as well. So there's a little bit of money there, but not a ton, you know. it's not, I don't think it's something that would be the end-all, be-all as far as them getting a ride or not. So I think the little teams, the teams that are really looking to compete and and run well, and I think Front Row Motorsports um, and JTG are on that level where they're sort of look. You're looking at them as maybe the future of this sport. With as the owners, as you talk about John numerous times, these owners get older and maybe things, the guard changes a little bit. Um, JTG gets into the to the mix here, and Front Row Motorsports maybe gets into the mix here. So it's something to keep an eye on for sure down the road five, ten years. But no doubt, I think uh in F47 is a win uh and it's great to see and, and another thing to see and, and uh another great young driver uh is one uh that's a short track races in his career um is is Daniel Hemrick and he's in his second full year at Richard Childress Racing in the Xfinity Series next year he will move up to the Cup Series replacing Ryan Newman in the 31 Ryan Newman's now going to be driving the sixth car next year, as that was announced uh, last week, two weeks ago, that Newman's going to be driving for Roush Fenway in the sixth. So they need a driver. And Daniel Hemrick, who was on a lot of people's list, to drive their race car. Levine Family had him on their list as well. Uh, but Richard Childress gets it done and puts Daniel Hemrick in the number 31 Chevrolet for next season. Uh, here's an interesting guy who doesn't have a win yet in trucks or Xfinity, but he's going to run full-time in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series next season. Uh, What are your thoughts on Hemrick getting the ride from Richard Childress Racing?
1: I think it's a sign that Richard Childress Racing is taking what they can get. And Daniel Hemrick is a decent little driver. Like you said, he hasn't won yet on the Xfinity or or in the truck side. He's run a couple cup races this year in the eight car with Smoky Mountain snuff on. I think it's one of those ones that Childress is saying, okay, Newman wants money. I don't want to pay money. He doesn't have it fully sponsored, it looks like. Uh, They always end up finding a way to get something on there. But I mean, Caterpillar is doing, what, four races. You got a couple here and there, odds and ends that end up on that 31 car. But I don't think it's a big time sponsorship deal. And I don't think I think he looked at it in the choice of Levine Family Racing where they're going to end up building something because if they go to Toyota, they still do not have enough in-house to um, make something worthwhile coming right out of the gate next year. I think um, you've got, that was those were his two options, and if he's looking at those two as options, I'm pretty much, if I'm Daniel Hemrick, I'm going to go to Richard Childress Racing because I know the history behind it Um, Richard Childers said in the press conference that whenever they uh, first put him in the Xfinity car, the goal was to eventually bring him up to the cup. He drove Bandoleros and everything else with Austin and Ty Dillon. So Hemrick knows the family. They're friends. They've been good together for years. I think it's a good move for Daniel Hemrick. I think it's sort of a punt for Richard Childers Racing because you have options out there. If they really, really wanted to rebuild a place and make it better. Kurt Busch is sitting out there, even though it's supposedly Kurt Busch is locked in to go into the one with Chip Ganassi, but Kurt Busch is out there. Also, you've got Christopher Bell out there. You've got Justin Allgaier out there. And to me, I mean, Daniel Hemrick's a nice driver, but if you ask me to pick between Daniel Hemrick and Justin Allgaier, I'll take Justin Allgaier. If you ask me to take between Daniel Hemrick and Cole Custer, that's almost a wash to ask some of the other young Xfinity drivers coming up. I don't see anything special out of Daniel Hemrick Peaton but he hasn't won yet. And now he's going to RCR, one of the two car operation with Austin Dillon as his teammate. You and I both said as they're making the transition to this new car. Having Ryan, Ryan Newman's, smarts in the building to say hey this is what I feel this is what's coming up I think that would be better than having Daniel Hemrick who doesn't know any
0: better well you know it's certainly a guy who I think a lot of people respect in the business Uh, he's he's a guy who's had a lot of success in short track racing Um, he's really made a name for himself, and, he, and he's really done well in the Xfinity Series this year. I mean, he's got 18 top 10s and 28 starts. Uh, he's done 13 top 5s. He's done everything but win this year. Right now, he's second in the standings. He's done a very good job in the Xfinity Series for Richard Childress Racing, um, and there's certainly uh, you can question Ryan Newman because he's you're leaving a veteran race car driver who's got some smarts parting ways, but I'm not sure Newman was Let's not pretend like Newman was thrilled with the whole situation there because I don't think he was. I think he was sort of like trying to do something new after five years. Um, and maybe bring in a young driver who you look at and say, hey, he can sort of, with his skill, we'll see where we're at. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a, a smart move. And, again, I, I don't know if the rule package or the pretending or the potential rule package, whatever we're going to see, and the Cup Series in 2019 has anything to do with with the, these moves or not that we're seeing? Um, because you know you would like to have somebody as an organization where you have somebody with a little bit more experience, and, and certainly is, has run for a championship, and, and that's what he's doing this year in the Xfinity Series. Um, so you look at it and you say, well, maybe that's got something to do with it. I don't know, um, but this I like Hammer lot. I think he's a good young driver. Um, He's, he's a good and I love short tracks. You know, I'm I'm a little biased because I think short track racing uh is very, very important. I think it's important in the growth. Um and I, I believe in short track racing and, and that's where these guys come from. And uh, at least. Oh, I don't see. I'm guys, a big Go ahead.
1: I'm a big time short time short track racer myself. I mean one of my favorite race car drivers is Josh Richards who drives uh dirt late models. Phenomenal with a dirt late model. But he's never going to sniff the Cup Series. Um, Yeah, 18 top 10s in the Xfinity Series is a decent year. But I'm sorry, that's, I mean, maybe half the season you're in the top 10. And granted, there's a lot of um, your Cup guys come down the first half of the season and everything. But it's not like we have 8, 10 Cup guys hogging up the top 10. If you're a respectable guy and you're there at the end, a lot of times if you're in good equipment like Daniel Hemrick is compared to some of the other guys, I mean, just take the difference between the equipment Daniel Hemrick has that Ross Chastain has had on a regular basis, and they're not that far apart when it comes to points. I mean, Ross Chastain had his two, ra- three races with Chip Ganassi, but he, a lot of what he did this year is in Johnny Davis equipment. And if your choice is between Johnny Davis equipment and Richard Childress racing equipment, you better finish better than Johnny Davis's stuff. So, I mean, I don't think it's anything special where Daniel Hemrick, and I'm looking at it as you go down the road. I don't know if the package is what, I mean, some of the ideas, I mean, one of your ideas about the package is going to be the neutralizer. We can bring the young guys in and save money on drivers and all that stuff. Hell, let's put Lee and Virginia in a car. Because he's got about as much chance of winning a cup race next week as Daniel Hemrick does. And as much as Daniel Hemrick will have in the 31. I think what Ryan Newman's leaving for Roush Fenway says, basically, Richard Childress is not putting in to this team. And you look, Austin Dillon's gone through, what, three, four different crew chiefs. And Ryan Newman's had Luke Lambert the whole time. And Luke Lamberts won one race the entire time they've been together. And that was on fuel strategy. It wasn't because they built a better car than anybody. It wasn't because they uh, had front row, I mean, front row type speed because Newman is a great qualifier for somebody who dropped the hammer. If he's got the horsepower underneath him, it's Newman. And I don't think he's won a pole since he left Stuart Haas racing. So I think it's a wash. I mean, I don't think it's anything special. I, I'm i happy for Daniel Hemrick. Same way I'm happy for Ryan Priest that these are short-track guys who are getting shots in the Cup Series. But it's like they're in the mid-pack, the back of the pack. There's nothing special to write home about. They're just going to get a bigger paycheck and have more TV time. But I don't think there's going to be anything they're going to do to move the needle. I don't think there's anything they're going to do to further their career. This might be the career stopper. It's not like you go from Richard Childress Racing anymore to Hendrick Motorsports or if you go from Richard Childers Racing to Stuart Haas unless you're Kevin Harvick and your best friends with Tony Stewart but it's just not something you're going to be able to do to make your career grow and Hemrick's to the point he's a young guy trying to get up and get going I don't see him this is, hit, this is going to be the plateau of his career same way as Ryan Priest at the 47
0: yeah I'm not sure how, what other options they had for this 31 I think we talked about it last week if I'm if I'm correct on it, on the show, um, where we weren't really sure who was going to be in a 31. And it was kind of like, I thought the options were Hemrick, And if it wasn't Hemrick, I don't know who was going to go there. So um, I'm not sure, you know, both, I think Kurt's going to the one. I'm not sure but Kurt would have even taken the 31 if it was off to him. Uh, same thing with McMurray. I'm not sure McMurray would have been thrilled with that. Right? He might have taken it, um, but who knows? You know, I, I don't mind going with the kid here. You know, maybe when you look at it and say, well, uh, if we're not getting the sponsorship that we that we wanted to get in the thirty one and we don't have to pay Newman, we can pay the driver a little bit less. That enables us to put more money into the race team and get our stuff better, get everything a little bit better, um and and sort of ha- and know that we have a very good driver in Hemrick and a very good driver in Austin Dillon and we'll go with that and see what we can do for next season. Um I'm not sure that's a horrible strategy either. So uh it's certainly gonna be entertaining to watch. You know, I think it's another win for the short track community, um, and I'd like to see Hemrick get the victory lane and run really hard for this championship at the end of this year, um, and really, uh, you know, show people that he belongs there and, and make the next step uh, in his in his development, which to me is running for a championship in the Xfinity Series. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. Other rides out there, John, uh, the forty one of Stewart Haas Racing and the ninety five of Levine Family. Those are really two big. I guess you can call full-time rides that we know of right now, GMS. We're not really sure if they're going to come up next year. There's certainly rumors that point to that. Um, and a lot of stuff that points to that, but that's not been really announced anywhere that they're definitely coming to the cup series full-time. So two full-time rides right now that we know are open, the 41 at Stuart Haas racing, uh, since Kurt Busch and that team won't be back next season. And the 95 since Casey Kane is retiring at the end of the year. Uh, so, I guess my question to you is, to me, it looks like Suarez is going to that 41. Um, but they – Adam Stern said today, you know, if they don't – it's not a concrete thing where, you know, if talk stall, they're not going to exactly put him in that car. I think the 41 is sort of – they've played their cards a little too close to themselves here. I think they thought a lot of people would be jumping at the opp- – a lot of really good drivers would be jumping up at the opportunity to get that ride. And right now they're sort of sitting there going, uh. It's really and, – and we said this, you know, sort of like the, like a 31. To me, it's Suarez right now, or I don't know who. Maybe they bring up Custer next season. So um, just because I don't see Bell leaving Joe Gibbs, I think he's committed there for another year. And I don't know who else would be, really be out there. That's an improvement over Kurt Busch. So uh, that 41 is something to keep an eye on. Same with the thing with the 95. I don't know where they're going to go, whether it's Matthew Benedetto, um, you know, uh, the only reason why I throw his name out there is he's looking for a good ride. I think that ride is better than what he's in, for sure. Uh, and they're going to have ties to Joe Gibbs Racing, it looks like. He's, he has ties to Joe Gibbs Racing from his past. He was a development driver for the organization. So I think that's an option for him as well. But I don't think that's 100% either. So uh, still a lot of questions going on as far as those two, those two rides are concerned for 2019.
1: Well, one of the things you've noticed in – Your favorite your driver is David Reagan and we all know that uh, front row motorsports goes year to year. They don't I've yet to see anybody sign a multi year contract with them. McDowell has won races for Joe Gibbs in the Xfinity series. Michael McDowell has a great relationship with the folks at Levine Family Racing. I don't think they parted I mean Michael McDowell was pushed out for Casey King, but I don't think they parted on bad terms because I don't think anybody can part with bad terms with Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell might be a possibility going back into the 95. They ran great together. I could see him going back there. I think it's a, it would be a step up for him from what he's got at uh, Front Row Motorsports. The 41 car, like you said, I think um, Gene Haas is probably thinking people would be knocking down the door to get in the car. But the thing is, Gene Haas is funding how many cars out of his back pocket? And I think he wants um, some sort of money to come with it. The key to silly, what's left of the silly season is where Daniel Suarez and the $5 million that Aris has said they will bring behind him goes to. And if Daniel Suarez is kind of pissy with Joe Gibbs Racing about it, go to the 95. He'll probably go to the 41. But I also can see Gene Haas pulling something out of his hat. You've seen it before. Gene Haas, nobody expected Kurt Busch there with the 41. Kurt Busch, I mean, that's why Ryan Newman wasn't there, because Kurt Busch was supposed to come and win championships. And Gene said, that's going to be my team. I want to win a race with Haas Automations on the car. And they did. But he wanted to win a championship and they didn't get close to that. Um, Kurt Busch has survived, made it to the next round. He's running really good right now. And I'm surprised considering the possibility of him, him being a lame duck at the 41 of how good that team has been doing. Um, and if Kurt Busch is going to the one, I mean, like I said, Jamie McMurray, I thought he would have been a possibility for the 31. I don't see him as a possibility going to the 95. Because I don't think Levine Family Racing is ready to be a top-notch team. How many years did it take uh, Front Row Motorsports with the partnership with Richard Childers Racing to get themselves to the point they were really good? And then when they went to Toyota with Joe Gibbs stuff, they went to the top. I think uh, Levine Family Racing, which has been getting engines from Hendrick and chassis support from Richard Childers Racing, I don't think they're there. I don't think they have the staff to do it yet. They have to build a team. And I think they're still a couple years away from being something competitive because that's how long it pretty much took Furniture Row to get there. So I don't see anybody jumping up and down saying, please put me in the 95 right now because I think I'm going to go out and win races, the 95 is going to be fighting for top 10s at best next year. They're probably going to be a 15th place car. It might be fighting for that last playoff spot. But I don't see them being a race-winning car yet.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see what that relationship's like, and I think, uh, I think a lot of people are right now. Uh, maybe even the, the the drivers who are out there saying, "Tell me what that 95 is going to be about." Um, and I, I, you know, you're right about Allgaier. I think Allgaier is a, a guy who maybe next year, when this, you know, his stock has really gone up here recently, but I feel like his stock's gone up um, in June, in July, and that was a little late for this silly season. I think if he does this again next year, and he's in the playoff hunt. And he's really strong again next year. There's going to be a lot of people knocking on his door, calling him up, saying, "Hey, listen, drive my race car." And I think it's going to be a pretty competitive ride. So um, maybe that's something that happens next year for him. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. I just think it's too late in the game right now. I think we'd hear about his name. It's October 1st now. You know, we're getting late. And we're he's announced- to go in the year. Right, he's going back. And all to guys already
1: announced he's staying at Junior Motorsports next year.
0: Right. Yeah. The one one thing I
1: can think of as a possible, uh, the one thing I can think of as a possibility for the 41, and I don't think, I think Gene Haas may end up putting a seat filler in for this year, but if they need to find, if Joe Gibbs needs to find a home for Christopher Bell sooner or later, the spot that's going to, the hallway Joe Gibbs racing that's going to come is Denny Hamlin. And I don't FedEx is probably attached to Joe Gibbs because of Gibbs being the coach at uh for the Redskins and all that stuff, and FedEx was there before Denny, and FedEx doesn't like Denny. But I could see Denny Hamlin being the guy in forty one whenever they're ready to bring Christopher Bell up because again, as you and I talked about for a while earlier tonight, Denny Hamlin has done nothing this year. There's been no, nothing to uh, light up the board and say, okay, I need Denny Hamlin in my car. But Denny's friendship with Tony Stewart, Denny's friendship with Kevin Kevin Harvick, Denny's friendship with Boyer, I could see him going into the 41. I don't see Stuart Haas as a driver development group. They played that role once with Danica, and she brought a ton of sponsorship for a while. And you notice... You look at Tony Stewart's Twitter feed sometimes. You look at the Stewart Haas Twitter feed about how great it was to have four cars in the top ten, four cars make it to the second round of the playoffs. I think they love the idea of having four competitive teams, and I don't think they're going to want to go backwards.
0: Maybe. And But right now, I mean, looking at that car and that ride – and what's out there i just don't see it you know to me if you wanted to be comp- competitive as competitive as you can be next year that would be signing uh kurt bush resigning kurt bush because i think that's the would be the ultimate way to go but again i've I've been saying this about i just think it's a salary it has to be that's the only reason why you would leave stewart haas for chip ganassi is salary and i think that is what it comes down to right now and um you know, we'll see what goes on with that ride, but uh, it's going to have to be somebody that, right now, I think it's going to be surprised. There are aside from Suarez. If it's not Suarez, I um, mean, I think Suarez might be an, a guy who uh, you look at it and you say, he might be somebody who um, is like a Joey Logano in a way where he sort of finds his feet a little bit and starts running a lot better than what we've seen at Joe Gibbs Racing. Who knows? But if it's not Suarez in F41, it's going to be somebody that, that you didn't expect some random name, and you're going to go, wow. Um, whether it's Custer or whether it's um, Matty Benedetto, um, somebody that you didn't expect there. So there's not a whole lot of, of big-name drivers right now that are out there.
1: No, there's not, it's one of those ones where, Um Silly Season, I mean, I – like I said, I, I really – if I was Stuart Haas and I need to fill that seat in the 41 and I would put a competitive driver in there, I'm going after Christopher Bell because he's the best that's out there other than Kurt Busch.
0: For sure. I understand that completely. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles tonight. It was a great show. We'll see you next week. Dover is um, this weekend for the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series, and we'll break it all down next week after Dover. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time on Talking Circles.